us, is this the lunch loop? If so, um, we wish to cancel. Um, we do not wish to belong to that or to pay this anymore. Thank you. Hey everybody, this is Brian. Welcome to another edition of the Lundloop Podcast, where we throw off the shackles of technical analysis and talk freeform about life, markets, trading, etc., etc. Thank you so much for indulging me last week. I took the week off. I had to work my daughter's school festival. Ten hours, three days in a row. It was brutal. To be fair, it's not my daughter's current school festival. It's the school she used to go to. So there's a story behind this. When it came time for the first Lund child to go to school, not having any context on how you should do it, my wife and I decided to put our daughter into private school, into a Catholic private school. This is because it solved two problems for us. The first problem was for her. She's Catholic, I'm not. And as part of being Catholic and growing up Catholic, there's all these different things you have to do. There's First Communion, there's Confirmation, there's Communism, I don't know. There's all these different things you have to do. And my wife, you know, it's lazy. She didn't want to do all that stuff. She's kind of a lapsed Catholic. And so she thought, you know what? Let's put our daughter into Catholic school because they do all that as part of the curriculum. Done and done. For me, it solved the problem because, once again, having no context about putting kids into school, I bought into the myth that public schools sucked ass, and especially in California, they suck ass. So it solved two problems. We get all the communion stuff done. We get our daughter into a great school that you know we don't have to worry about. And then when it was time for my son to come into school three years later, we put him in the same school. But it was very apparent that he had some special needs that this school just was not able to handle. So he transferred over to a public school. So I've got to watch two kids go relatively in parallel through both a private school and a public school. And what ended up happening is the, pu the public school was absolutely fantastic. Every single teacher, every administrator, every principal has been great not just in terms of skill level, but in topics that they teach, everything. I, I have no complaints about that. The private school, on the other hand, ended up sucking. Just a, a below normal level of competency. And my daughter, by the time we figured this out, my daughter had been there for four years or so. It was about time for her to go into middle school. And so we gave her the choice. Did she want to stay there or did she want to leave? I didn't feel like it was fair to pull her out uh, in the middle of a transition between elementary and middle school. And she decided she wanted to stay there. So we let her go there the whole nine years. Now, part of being a parent at a Catholic school is that you have to do volunteer stuff. There's mandatory volunteer stuff. So I would volunteer at the festival. Now they say it's volunteer, but it's not. It's really mandatory. However, once my daughter graduated, obviously I didn't have to do that anymore. But apparently, humble brag, I was so good at my job. And my job for the last four years there was to basically run my mouth on a microphone with a massive AV system that projected all throughout the fair and hawk tickets for the main raffle. 
So basically it was one ticket for $2, three for five, you can get six for 10, 12 for 20, or a whole pack of lucky tickets, 20 tickets for $30. Now doing this for three days in a row, 10 hours a day is super boring. So I had to make it fun and I would come up with these stupid stories that really made no sense. There's a bunch of them, but the one that I always went back to is this one. And I would get up on the park bench and I would say, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you a story. And the, the grand prize is $10,000, right? That's what we're giving away. So I say, let me tell you a story about a young man who was down on his luck. This was about 10, 15 years ago. He tried a couple of businesses, they had all failed. He was broke, he was destitute, he had really no options. But he came here to the Blessed Sacrament Festival and he had $2 left in his pocket. And that man came up to me and I sold him a raffle ticket. And wouldn't you know, he won the $10,000 and he took that money and he put it into a new venture that was extremely successful. And that man's name, Elon Musk. And Tesla is the greatest company in the history. You know, I do that whole thing. In previous years, I do. That man was Steve Jobs. That man was Bill Gates, right? It's just stupid stuff to keep me entertained. So anyway, that's what I did this weekend. And as part of the, the festival, part of the preparation for the festival is they have these festival meetings once a month leading up to the festival. I don't really need to go to them because all I'm doing is holding a mic and running my mouth. But I usually check in on one of them at least to see if there's anything I need to know or anything I'm missing. So the festival meeting I went to this year was the first one I had been to in two years. So I hadn't seen any of these people. I, like I said, I'm not Catholic. I don't go to church. We don't go to church. When my daughter graduated, that was it. So it's been two years since I've seen most of these people. I know them, but I only know them in a small context through my church festival interactions. And there's this one guy who, he seems like a decent guy. I've always liked him. He's been nice to me. His name's Gary. He's a very heavy set guy. And I hadn't seen him for two years. And when he walked into the room for the medium, I was stunned. I mean, I was literally stunned at how large he had grown. He'd grown so large that he had rolls of fat, not a roll of fat, but rolls of fat on the back of his neck. And when I first saw him and said, hey, Gary, like I had to work really hard to make sure I didn't have a stunned look on my face. And as I sat there in the meeting, I kept looking over at Gary. I just felt this sense of sadness because I know the story and how it's going to play out with Gary. Someday somebody will tell me that Gary had a heart attack and died. And previous to that heart attack, I know Gary will be suffering a lot. And I want to go over to Gary and say, hey, I can change your life by a factor of a hundred. Like, wouldn't it be great if, if someone came up to us and said, here's one thing you can do that would literally improve your, your life by a factor of a hundred. If, if somebody came up to me and said that, I'd be like, sure, what can I do? I can do that for Gary. And it's just like, lose this weight. Your life will be so different. And not only that, you'll live. But I don't know Gary. I don't have that sort of relationship with Gary. Not to mention the fact, I'm sure there's other people that are saying that to Gary. And it reminds me a lot of what happens 
when I see somebody that's new to trading, that's doing really, really well, but I know that the reason that they're doing well is only due to either luck or the, the market, what the market's doing. I had this experience coming out of the COVID, COVID bull market, which I'm sure many of you did too, where I knew people that were making crazy money, like life-changing money. And as I've always said, you know, the way that you turn $100,000 into a million dollars in six months is the same way you turn $100,000 into zero or negative if you're on margin. And I saw these people and I had that same feeling when they were, when they were making this money that I have looking at Gary. I want, I, I want to say to him, hey, this is great, but let me tell you, it's not going to last. It's all going to end bad, and I can change your life right now by telling you to do X, Y, and Z. And I know people, I literally know people that were in that exact same scenario that have lost all their money. And it's painful because you feel so helpless. The other thing is, will they even listen? Like if I said that to Gary, am I just making myself feel better? Is Gary just going to be mad at me and going to continue to do whatever he's going to do anyway? It's the same thing with these people that are trading this way. They're not going to listen. They have to blow up. Unfortunately, they have to blow up to learn. I had to blow up to learn twice. So it was really frustrating, you know, seeing Gary like that. One of the other things that I have to do at, or had to do at Blessed Sacrament is I had to volunteer for bingo. The third Monday of every month for nine years, I went to bingo. And their bingo was held in the gym. And they were these long tables that were set up and people would walk up and down and sell bingo cards. I, fortunately, I got to be somewhat of a, I guess, a, not an overseer, but uh, someone that didn't have to sell bingo cards would kind of help make sure everything was going okay. And over the nine years, I got to know a lot of these people. And the average age of these people was definitely over 65. And there were people in their 80s and 90s there. And almost every single one of them was horribly out of shape, like excessively morbid. And you would see them walk and it was just painful. You could tell that their hips and their knees were suffering. Almost every one of them had a cane or a crutch or a walker or a wheelchair next to them. And there was no secret as to why they were like this. If you looked up and down the length of these tables, all you would see was massive bags of Funyuns, tins of cookies, 32 ounce sodas. These people just had let themselves go. And I always used to wonder as I looked at these people, because some of them had, you know, some of them I talked to, like one was a ballerina at some point. Another guy, this 90-year-old guy, was in World War II. He literally was on the beaches on Omaha Beach. And I look at them now and I say, how did that once young, healthy, fit person get to where they are now? What was that progression? Was there a tipping point? You know, that point that you go over where it's just too hard to get back or the effort that you need to put out to get back is just, it's almost insurmountable. And that reminds me a lot of the market that we're in right now. I talked a little bit about this on this week's market strategy video. I wrote a little bit about it in this week's intro to the Lund Loop. 
This week I was on a Spaces with my buddy Joe Fami, and we had a lot of really smart people come on the Spaces and talk about this market. Obviously, I'm only talking from a technical standpoint. I mean, I know some of the bigger macro themes, but I'm not a macro guy. I'm not an economics guy. You all know that. But there were some people on there that that's how they made their bones, looking at the macro issues around the market, looking at the economic issues. There were people on this call that had actually been doing this longer than I had, back to like 80. And they were excessively bearish, very bearish. One guy said he's never bearish, but he feels like the market has got 25 more 25% more downside from where it is now, from where it is now. And I told this to some people that I know that are fairly level-headed traders or investors. They're not bearish. And almost every one of them said, oh yeah, that's what I'm preparing for too. I'm looking for that too. If you look at the SPX and you take out the, the dip for COVID and the recovery, and you'd say, well, where would this be if we didn't have that 5.6 trillion influx in government money? It's not, it's not inconceivable to think that we would be right about at a 25% drop from where we are now. It's hard for me to believe that. And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I don't make predictions. I'm just thinking out loud here. But it's in the back of my mind. A lot of people on this call were also talking about once we hit that 25% drop, we're not just veeing it right back up to all-time highs. We're going to go sideways for a long time. It's going to take years for these macroeconomic forces to unwind. Some people were talking about almost a Japan-style thing. Not 30 years going sideways, but maybe 5 or 10. And so once again, I go back to that tipping point. I'm thinking about those people in bingo. When was the point they went from being healthy to unhealthy? And there's really not a point. It's not like one day they, they say, boy, if I go any farther than here, I'm going to fall onto the side of being unhealthy. And it's not like that next day they go, boy, I just fell onto the side of being unhealthy. It ha it's more of a tipping range. And so I think the thing that we as traders and active investors have to think about is what happens if the market doesn't play out the way we think it will play out? For example, what if the market doesn't, what if the VIX doesn't spike? One of the things about the market right now is there's not a lot of fear. I don't feel the fear. And with the VIX below 38, which is this level it can't seem to get back, it's hard for me to think that the market can bottom. And I'm waiting for that big spike. I want to see the VIX get north of 40. The higher, the better. Get all the weak hands out of the market. Flush this market and put that bottom in from which we can rally. Because that's what I've seen in the past. That's what my expectations are based upon my experience in the market. But what happens if that doesn't happen? What happens if the VIX just slowly grinds higher as the market unwinds? What happens if we do just go sideways? We have to think about these things because it's going to affect our P&L. We don't want to look back in six months or a year and say, wow, we passed the tipping point because we weren't paying attention, because we were doing things based upon how we thought they would resolve, 
given what we've seen in the past, but they didn't resolve that way. I guess this is kind of a death by a thousand cuts sort of thing. And that's why I've really been staying out of the market. Instead of trying to take these little micro shots and these turns and try to be very uh, tricky and, and try to play intraday moves, I've just kind of sat back and waited. Now this weekend, I, I as I mentioned in the deconstructing a trade video, I did for the first time in a long time, take some swing positions in, and for the first time in a real long time, swing positions into the weekend. But I think this is really crucial that we're aware in real time of what's going on in our trading, what's going on in our P&L, and that we don't get stuck into a rut where we think, well, eventually things will resolve and my system or my methodology or what I use to get in trades will, will work again. Um, we have to be open to the idea that we might just get a sideways market. And if we do get a sideways market, how do we modify our, our trading? Now, one of the ways that you would do it is by selling puts, selling premium, you know, selling, um, uh, I'm, I can't remember off the top of my head which one is strangles or, or straddles, but we're, we're going to be selling higher calls and we're going to be selling lower puts. We're going to be selling based upon stocks trading in a range or indexes trading in a range. That is a sideways market strategy. These are things you just have to consider. And so anyway, that's that's where I, I just want to leave it this weekend. Um, don't get too stuck in a rut. Don't be too sure you've seen it all. And don't be so sure that it's going to end the way we think it's going to end because the market always seeks to make the most amount of people uncomfortable. And this this current market could have a twist that we're not expecting. That being said, it could also just resolve the way we think it will. Joe thinks it's probably a 2023 story that we start seeing multiples contract, um, earnings contract, and then you know six to 12 months before they start to expand again, the market starts moving up because the market is a forward discounting mechanism. I, I tend to lean more towards that, but I don't want to rule out a you know a scenario like I laid out. I don't want to find myself sitting here uh, a year from now just being grinded down because I kept trying to to find a bottom or I kept trying to find a turn based upon you know the expertise I thought I had given that I've been doing this for 35 years. Um, I would like to repeat that want to be canceled from the Lund loop whatever you've got me on um if you wish to call and explain what it is uh actually uh forget that well that's it for this episode if you got any questions hit me up at brian b-r-i-a-n at the loanloop.com i'll see you next time bye